0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Dogs Programme, here on 3CR855 on the AM dial. Um, This is a very special uh, show we're having for you today, because we are coming to you across an incredible mountain range of technical difficulties. So if things get a bit hairy um, along the way, and I start to sound a bit scratchy, do not fear, I am still here, I have not fallen by the wayside. Now we are here at 3CR, the Dogs Programme, giving you a programme that the dogs always give you, which is... Um, several theses and a lot of sometimes very emotional talking about defending government schools in Australia. Because even though we're of a, in the middle of sort of a covid horror and a plague and bushfires and apparently giant murder hornets are flying around somewhere, I don't even know where, um, despite all of this, um, public education is still under threat. you think think they'd leave it alone just for a little bit. You know, there's other things going on rather than taking your money away from state school's kids or planning to make extra money out of, out of um, poor aspirational parents in Australia by increasing school fees or, or mucking around with all that silliness, especially when whether kids should go to school. No, it's a moot point in the first place. Now, we'll be talking a lot about Australia today, but a little bit about overseas as well. Um, But what's happened is, of course, that um, private schools are now finding themselves, because the pandemic has continued for so long, in a significant problem. In fact, a bind, a Gordian knot, I would even say. I don't know how they're going to get out of it. Um, I think the only way they can get out of the problem they're in is by lying to all of the people all of the time. And as Joseph Goebbels would tell you, that never works. But to give you more details about what I'm saying, um, Wonderful, Jane has written yet another press release. And when I say yet another, I'm not kidding about yet another. It is the 800 and What, what is it, Jane?
1: 853.
0: Right. right. That means there's 852 press releases on our website lurking there at www.adogs.info. That's www.adogs.info. But you can get those anytime you like. Anytime you can get this press release. Is when we're recording it right now, which is of course, on uh, the episode, um, for the week of August the 6th. Now, the press release, what's, what's it all, what's it all about, Jim?
1: What are cash strapped private school parents doing in times of plague? That's the heading. Private school fees are fast becoming an unnecessary luxury for Melbourne parents as their businesses plummet into covid insolvency. So public schools are bracing for extra enrolments. As stressed private school parents fall back on the system, which is not only free, it's as good, if not better, than the overpriced private alternative. Not unsurprisingly, the private sector is screaming for help from taxpayers and the market is punishing them. You know that market that's laid up in heaven, that's supposed to be the answer to all economic problems? It's punishing the private sector. Perhaps it's time for them to forget about charging fees open up their schools to all comers because they are very well subsidised by taxpayers and become genuinely public schools, performing a public service for the common good. Perhaps the moment of truth has arrived, if not for the administrators of these private schools, then for the parents who have been taken in by their blandishment. So what's been happening up north in New South Wales? I'll tell you about that. Then we'll tell you about what's happening down here in Victoria. And Robert has got some very interesting material. So let's have a look at what's happening in New South Wales first before we go up to Victoria or down to Victoria or where we are in Victoria. And Robert will be talking about that. In April, Jordan Baker from the Sydney Morning Herald informed us that student recruitment by the private sector was faced with shutdowns and social distancing. Face-to-face open days and tours were therefore out of reach and this is where private schools do all their, their spooking. Schools reported lower enrolment interest as parents got bogged down by remote learning in turn 2 and the COVID-19 recession. So parents couldn't see why they should even be paying for remote learning, for the work that they were doing themselves. After all, what exactly were they paying for? In April, up there in Sydney, up to 60% of families at some independent so-called schools asked for fee relief putting pressure on the school budgets. Most private schools in Sydney resisted blanket discounts for families, but instead they focused on those doing it toughest and they extended the payment. So this means that there's going to be a lot of private schools up there in Sydney who are in debt to the private schools. And we know that in the past, when there have been debts, private schools have been prepared to actually Uh, sell people's houses to pay for it. So I'm not sure I'd want to be one of these private school parents to do. Jeff Newcombe, the chief executive of the Association of Independent Schools of New South Wales, said that many of the schools were now suffering financial stress, with an increasing number of parents as high as 60% requesting full or part fee remission. With the government's decision not to allow decoupling of the financial arrangements of boarding schools and early childhood centres from the main school accounts, a number of these facilities are now actually facing closure. So what's going to happen to all the children in these schools that are dealing with schools that have closed because their business plan has gone awry? Independent schools in New South Wales provide the majority of boarding places, and if facilities close, many students from the regional and remote areas will be denied the opportunity to complete their education. So, they've called on the federal government to bring forward the July funding instalment and give the non-government schools access to the job keeper threshold, as well as financial stress emergency. Interest-free loans. Federal Education Minister Dan Ten, back in April, said that the government could look potentially at bringing some of the payments forward to help with the cash flow. And as far as we know, he's probably done that. Mark Spencer, who's the Director of Public Policy at Christian Schools Australia, which represents 155 schools across the country said that his schools were reporting between 20 and 50% of families asking for fee relief or deferral and of course their fees are not as great as those of the more wealthy private schools he said that schools were obviously working hard with those parents to keep them in because it was dislocating for children to have to move schools. Perhaps the parents should have sent them to the public schools in the first place then. He was calling on the federal government to, notice as soon as they're in trouble they start wanting more and more and more taxpayers money, to use the enrolment figures at the beginning of Term 1, rather than the usual census in August, to determine the school's student numbers and therefore its funding allocation for next year. So they're asking permission of the federal budget of the federal government to cook the books. Literally. So they feared that the government's the school's government funding on which they determined their budget forecasts at the beginning of the year would be reduced if the students were forced to drop out because their parents have lost their jobs. Schools are budgeted on what they got in the door at the beginning of Term 1, he says. Knowing that they'll receive, no less, next year would be a real safeguard. So last week they were given permission to reduce the non-teaching staff members' pay by 25% and asked them to swap jobs so that groundkeepers would be doing cleaning and also they did this to help with the fee shortfall. So that was in New South Wales in April. But what's been happening down here in Victoria with the private schools, and here I'll pass over to Robert. Ah,
0: Thank you very much, Jane. Welcome um, to Dogs, the Dogs. The Australian Council for, get it, Defence, B, of, O, Government, G, schools. Yes, dogs. Yes, we dogs. I will be back with more after this about what's going on in Victoria because remember, in Victoria, the second wave has already hit and private schools are panicking. It is deeply scary for all those smug business managers who now have to look at the situation where, they don't have any money, so they have to try and get it from somewhere. And I think it's fascinating where they're trying to get it from. I'll speak more about this after these
2: messages. You can see that this country is covered in the blood of Aboriginal people, the length and breadth of it. Australia is a part of an undeclared war and a secret invasion. that began 250 years ago, this year. Now, we have a country that's built on lies, deceit, fraud propaganda and race hatred indoctrination. Now it's been 250 years of us being oppressed in our own land, brutally. We might be oppressed but we understand what freedom is and we fight for it every day and we've resisted this occupation since day one. And I predict colonialism, capitalism imperialism is going to get knocked out cold by about mid this year. 3CR, your station
3: in struggle and solidarity. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au.
1: Do you need to renew your subscription? Make a donation.
2: Or pass on some information to a programmer.
1: We can't get to the phone all the time right now, but we're still here. You can call us on 03 9419 8377.
2: Each weekday between 1 and 5pm and talk to a staff member. That's
1: 03 9419 8377. 3CR Community Radio, here to stay.
2: 3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity.
1: To donate, go to
0: 3cr.org.au. Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AMDAR and podcast on the WWWs all around the world. Um, yeah, Jesus tells about what's going on in New South Wales in the last few months during... Um, what well, they have had in terms of their response to the coronavirus here in Victoria, we are now currently at stage four restrictions and have been at stage three restrictions now for well over a month um, it 's bad. Uh, why is it bad um, there 's a plague, and we 've all got to stay indoors, including teachers and kids and indeed school administrators. Now, if I was a private school administrator right now, I would have trouble sleeping at night, because what's happened is this. The coronavirus recession will kill off above-inflation fee rises for Victorian private schools. That is because for the last 12 years at least, rises in private school fees in Victoria have increased above-inflation every single year. There is no justification for this. They just want more money, so they ask for it, and they get it. It's a free market. Yahoo sucks to anyone who doesn't like it. But this coronavirus recession has just gone, nope, that's not going to happen. Peter Gost, who is the Grattan Institute's school education program director, said, loss of employment and tightened household budgets will probably reduce the number of people who are actually able to pay high school fees for private schools in 2021. And that's just fundamental. Next year, there will be people who will have so little money that they will not be able to pay for their private school fees. Now, for over 60% of Australians, this is not a surprise. This is just life, because over 60% of people spend their money sending their children to public schools. For them, this is not a problem. Private school parents only who have this. Now, that shift, the balance, the shift in the balance of supply and demand will put pressure on fees. Some schools, if they lose even a moderate proportion of enrolments for 2021, may become commercially unviable. Now, the reason for this is the business model for many high-fee-paying private schools, is to the bone. They take out loans. They go into debt based on their current school fees, which are presented as an asset from which they can borrow money off. And so for those people, if you take away the initial money, then everything cascades. They can't pay their bank loans. They can't pay their loans to this and that. Not only are they up for the amount of money they owe, but the interest payments that they have to cough up every year because they're in debt. Unfortunately, says Dr Goss, I expect the number of schools, some of them will have to take drastic action. They'll have to sack teachers and support staff to reduce their costs, and some even just have to close down. Now that shifts the balance of supply and demand and will put pressure on fees. Some schools, if that is a moderate proportion of enrolments for 2021, may become economically unviable. 36% of Victorian students attend non-government schools, the second highest rate in the country. This leaves Victorians sensitive to price rises that have exceeded inflation for more than a decade. Many school budgets have already come under pressure as parents seek, actively seek fee discounts and deferrals. So parents are walking up to schools and going, um, "I'm not going to pay your fees. I'm going to pay you this instead. That'll be all right, won't it?" They're bargaining at the school gate with the principal, or indeed they're saying, "Well, I can't afford this. I just can't afford it. It's too much money. So can I please have my fees deferred? I'll still owe you the money, don't worry, but I just don't have to pay it to you right now, because as we all know, things are going to get better, and if I can just defer my school fees." everything will be all right. Now, while most schools do their budgets in July and August, Scott's College, the second most expensive place in Australia to educate a child with fees of almost $40,000 per year per student, has already announced it will not increase its fees for next year. So for the first time in decades, Scott's College are not increasing their fees because they can't even Scots College. Meanwhile, high-fee educational schools like Peninsula Grammar have said that 40% of parents are having trouble paying their fees and forecast a minimum 10% decline in enrollment next year. Dr Goss predicted that the mid-to-high fee market would moderate fee increases or freeze fees. He says, I think they will avoid cutting fees because that would send a signal to the market that we need to drop fees to attract enrolments. And being oversubscribed or being perceived as being oversubscribed is a marker of success. So listen to that very carefully. Market forces dictate if something is worth something, education being incredibly intangible, if a school's education is worth something, then it must cost a lot of money. If you discount how much it costs to educate a child in your school, you are saying that our education is not as good as it used to be. or well, our education that we give kids is not, not, as good as it used, it's not as good as the school down the road. So that sort of cut price education private school market is a very slippery slope, and they have, and truth to tell, I can't see why they can't say this, it is collusion in the marketplace. You know, when, 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 corporations collude so that no one drops their prices, so everyone has to pay a lot for petrol. Price fixing. It comes up every, price fixing. That's exactly what they say. That's exactly what they say they are doing. Many of lost businesses and may have to cut discretionary spending. Yes. No more swimming pools. No more campuses in the country where people can learn horse riding. Although, by the way, they're still there. They're still there right now. We've paid for them already. If a private school, according to Dr Goss, loses 5 to 10% of its enrolments, that could equate to as many as 200 students, which could have serious implications for sacking staffs, cutting programs, and, of course, the school itself is vulnerable to closing down, depending upon how much debt the school decides to go into To buy all those sweet, beautiful gymnasiums and swimming pools. Because this is, a lot of this stuff has been bought on the Never Never to attract the parents who are so desperate, desperately aspirational to get an education better than their next door neighbour. Anyway, I'll finish it there and um, I'll be back with more of this because I'm going to focus in on Peninsula Grammar as one particular school where these ideas play out vividly in the public sphere.
3: their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm
4: the proud product of a government funded primary school education and of a government funded secondary school education.
0: Australia is one of the
2: richest and luckiest countries in the world, and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public school in the world.
1: It's not good enough that kids with disability miss out.
3: Our education is not for profit you're listening to the dogs the defense of government schools on 3CR
0: welcome back to the dogs program You're on 3CR 855 on the and podcast all over the WWs and um, if you're listening to us congratulations we found a bit of free speech here on the internet so sort of free speech passing out over the airways across Werribee and Melbourne and various other places in close regional Victoria basically uh, where it's uh, where it's covid zone four you will find 3cr we're here where we need to be studios right in the middle of it as we are because we've been talking about We've been talking about the dilemma that private schools have f- inevitably, I would suggest, found themselves in. Now, I have in front of me a list of private schools in Victoria and how much money they choose. So, how much money they choose to charge to parents for you to send your child to their school. Now, the most expensive school in Australia is Geelong Grammar. Uh, that's $40,000. Per student per year plus, um, compulsory extras. So that does include, that does not include the four week trip to China in year eight. That does not include, uh, the two week trip in year seven. It does not include extension work out at the Timber Top. It does not include any of those things at all. So 40,000 is your basis. But if you keep going, of course, keep going, down, um, they're not the only private school here. You have things like Padua College, which is in Mornington. Padua College, by the way, is just down the road from the Peninsula School, which I find fascinating. Padua College, if you wanted to send a child through Year 12, you would pay $6,380. If, however, you wanted to send a child into three Year 12, you would be paying $27,120 per student per year to get your child through year 12. That is much more than the cost of many, um, university courses, I can tell you right now. A lot of money! Um, and they're up there at Mount Eliza, which is lovely. Right next door, believe it or not, to Padua College. So they seem to coexist. Fascinating situation. But all I can say is that Peninsula College, or Peninsula Grammar as they like to be called, Peninsula Grammar have all sorts of problems. Now, if you want to send your child to PrEP for Peninsula Grammar, that's $13,000 per child, rising all the way up to the fee I told you, almost $28,000 for Year 12 students. But Peninsula Grammar is now in the process of standing down over 24 staff now, right now. It's telling them you could no longer afford to employ many of them in the face of the likely exodus Students. The school is mountain in mountain expects a slump in enrollments of more than ten percent next year, as families make economic decisions to not spend twenty-seven thousand dollars a year per kid in a situation where well the vast majority of Australians are struggling to some degree, some are struggling exceptionally. And so say, well, because families are going to make economic decisions to withdraw children amid the crisis, because families are already struggling to pay fees. Now, but the schools move to stand-out staff and make more than a dozen non-teaching staff from is being opposed by the Independent Education Union, which took the staff to the Fair Work Commission on Thursday. Now, bear in mind, this is a private company. Conventional grammar. Um, it is funded by you and me. It is funded by the taxpayers, but we get no say in the running of the school. There's no taxpayer representative on their school board. And there's no taxpayer representative on the Independent Council of Victorian Schools either. Just, just, just by the way. Now the school agreed during conciliation to extend its consultation period with the unions for redundancies until May 10th, which is long past now. One of a number of independent Victorian schools that has had to trim its staff numbers in response. The principal wrote to staff just recently saying financial pressure related to the coronavirus. The school also has a large number of international students, or should I say had, because they've all not turned up this year. So, yes, you can write them down as absent, but the answer is yes, they are absent. Somewhat personally, somewhat unsurprisingly, they're not coming back to school. Now, Mr Johnson said the school was overstaffed in some areas, both now and definitely into the future. Can I say, for a $27,000 a year school, you would assume they're overstaffed. You would assume that the gardening staff would be excess to requirements, because how are you going to ask $27,000 if you haven't got manicured lawns? That's how value works in the Australian education system. That's how it works.
1: Being commodified by these... um
0: these institutions, unfortunately. Absolutely. And, you know, people will, the, the only thing that really gets me is they say, oh, you know, the important thing in education is reading, writing, arithmetic. If we can do that, then we'll drag Australia out of the, the doldrums when it comes to international comparisons. Peninsular Grammar, where's their money? Well, they have stunning science facilities, amazing engineering facilities. You should see their, their music department will put the MSO's rehearsal studios to shame. Their sports facilities, they've got pools for the horses as well as for the people. These places have facilities coming out of their body. Nothing to do with reading and writing and arithmetic. And do you know what? Middle class Australian aspirational types, they're not they're not full bowl, that absolute bump about reading and writing. Of course their kids can read and write. Let's get them stuff that's going to get them a job, which is a network. These schools are networking cesspots. That's what they are. If you get your kid to hang around with other rich kids, chances are they're going to get better jobs. And if you're rich, you want your kid to hang around with other people who are kind of like you so you can basically perpetuate the concept of privilege. Which is what these things are. It's what they do. It's what I'm paying for. And quite frankly, privilege and discrimination, they happen. They should not happen. I go through my Facebook feed and I can see people saying, This is all terrible. There's no good. There's not enough equity in the world. Well, yeah, sure there isn't. But bugger me if Australia isn't saying, right, even in a even in a pandemic, I'm sitting here reading about a principal, Mr. Simpson, a peninsula grammar, talking about openly about the ways he can maintain the difference between his children and other children across the road at Mornington Secondary College. Because Mornington Secondary College is just across the road, only 50 metres away, perfectly good school, costs you nothing to go through the door. But, yeah, no, Peninsula grammar, if it's to survive, has to do something. They can't let their fees go down, otherwise there's no value. They can't let their fees go down, otherwise there's no privilege. So what are they going to do? Well, the In Mornington
1: the Secondary course. College will survive, won't it? Because it oh, yeah, yeah. has a different philosophy. Um, it is not just taxpayer funded, it is also open to all children. A lot of those children whose parents can no longer afford peninsula glamour will be rocking up to be enro- to be enrolled, I should imagine, at Mornington Secondary College. Yep. And they just might find that they get a better education there. Yep.
0: Oh, I think they do and they will. I mean, I can tell in an anecdote because I've worked at these schools. I've worked at Peninsula, Grammar, and I certainly worked at Mornington Secondary College. And I found when I was working at Mornington Secondary College, every now and then a child would turn up in your class who was new to the school but didn't come through year seven. They've just turned up in year nine or year ten. They've been forced to change schools for whatever reason. And a couple of them at Mornington Secondary College, they came from Peninsula Grammar. Now When these kids turned up at Mornington Secretary College across the road, it was it was traumatic for them, like it really was, because they'd walked past Secretary College every day of their school life going, "Uh, there's all the Pogo kids, and being rude to them, because that's what you do if you want to maintain privilege. You have this quiet internal rudeness to people who aren't as rich as you. If you don't believe me, um, you've had your ears closed. That's functionally the way it works. There are two ways that the kids at at Peninsula Grammar react to poor children. The first is with with, with derision, and the second is with philanthropy. They give them things. They do charity work for poor children. Preferably not poor children from across the road, because in a a street there'll be a kid going to Peninsula Grammar and a kid going to Mornington, because that's just a bit gauche. But charity. Charity is what you give poor people if you're off the Peninsula Grammar, and so they will do that and feel wonderful about themselves for the rest of the year, and they can go back to being straight-up nasty. Because that's the way it works. Privilege doesn't work unless you're nastier to people who have less. It is the, it is the currency of Peninsula Grammar. But, but, the coronavirus doth make liars and beggars of us all. The coronavirus isn't fair. The coronavirus does not care which car you drive. The coronavirus does not give a damn what your postcode is. The coronavirus doesn't care what your accent is, even when you grow up in the same suburb. The coronavirus seriously does not care if your anaerobic fitness is slightly better because you have swimming training every Tuesday at school at 8.30. The coronavirus cares not for any of that. And so these attitudes will have to be disguised first. First, they have to be disguised because they can't, they don't function, they have no use in what is to come. But after they've been disguised, they will have to disappear because if they are detected, if this arrogance, if this privilege, if this charitable works ideas continue through the coronavirus, we won't survive because coronavirus ain't going to be killed off by, tra- by by charity. It's going to be killed off by all of us working together, from Washington Secondary College to the provincial of one or the other. And these are big ideas. This virus is forced to, you have to bring big ideas into the education debate because rational discussions can only be done by educated people, that is educated children, and it's not going away this year, as much as people would like to say, and it might be back. And we might have to be dealing with these things a lot. And, of course, we've discovered the only way to deal with these things is collectively, together, in some form or other. And I'm not saying I'm a socialist, but I can say that right now, the simple fact that my putting a mask on can save someone else's life, not mine, someone else's life, is an act of social conscience. And I'm very happy to do it, as are the vast majority of all Australians. But I would suggest to you that at Mornington Secondary College, they'll be wearing their masks, don't worry. At Mornington Grammar, there might indeed be a few parents that don't. I don't know this for a fact. This is just some people say, um, doing a bit of a trunk thing there. Some people say, but I think it's worth pointing out that those who are inherently and financially privileged don't necessarily like being told to do by people who aren't as privileged as they are. I think I've had enough of a rant now. I think we'll have a few breaks and then we'll come back with more for the dogs program. D-O-G-S, Defenders of Government Schools.
4: I really am not understanding why people aren't seeing the fact that prisons are an integral part a public health response to a pandemic. Like you, I'm really concerned about whether the data is being released very honestly about illnesses within prison. I have suspicions it's not, but really we need very strong leadership in this country that actually cares about people inside our most vulnerable populations inside. That's what we need and that's not what we're getting right now.
3: 3CR, you in struggle and
1: solidarity. To donate, go
2: to 3cr.org.au. 3CR remains closed to all broadcasters and guests until further notice.
1: The good news is that so many of our programs are producing new shows each week from home. From Lost in Science to Living Free. Done by Law to Defence of Government Schools. Concrete Gang to Chronically Chilled.
2: Mafalda to Music Matters.
1: We're here with compelling content and rousing radio.
2: Listen live or listen later. Tune in, stay safe and keep listening. 3CR Community
3: Radio, here to stay. Friends of the Earth Food Co-op is open.
0: Get fresh produce and support local farmers and keep our grassroots community thriving through these unusual times. Organic veggie boxes and click and collect now available. Visit www.foefood.org/slash click collect to place your orders. Or pop in store at 312 Smith Street and see how we're adapting
2: with our new physical distancing layout. Shop organic and buy local. Made easy at Friends of the Earth. A proud 3CR supporter.
0: Welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast all over the WWs. Look, in Australia, public education um, has been lots of things to lots of people over many, many years. There's been an interesting research paper done, um, reported by Trevor Cobord, um, just the other day, and I I think it's fascinating, because this is a study that uses data published by the Australian Bureau of Statistics to analyse the impact of school accountability measures on the staffing structures of the public education system. Now, Australia has long been infected by what the world-renowned Finnish educator, Pasi Salberg, currently Professor of Education at the Gonski Institute of Education in Sydney, coined as GERM, which is the Global Education Reform Movement. It is characterised by corporate management policies, test-based accountability of schools, and fostering competition between schools to drive improvement in educational outcomes. One manifestation of germ is a bloated bureaucracy to police compliance with regulations, collect and record information, and monitor performance. Now, before we go any further with Patsy Solberg's ideas, which I completely agree with, I'd like to say this. Whenever someone tries to get accountability by introducing competition, you've lost the game. If ever you want a child to succeed at something, by putting them in competition with another child, you've lost the game. You will get a result. You will succeed. You will get the child who was running slow to run faster you will get the child whose test scores in maths were average at best. If you put them in competition with someone who's better than they are, you will see, in many cases, improvements in results. Now, this can be called many things. Um, it's called uh, performance-orientation results-driven um, uh, educational techniques, where performance, the performance of the task to a higher level, is the goal in itself. So running is a simple thing. How fast can you run? To make you run faster, we'll put you with other people. And let's see if you can run faster than them. But if, as all educators know, that is a slippery slope. It's actually a cul-de-sac educationally. If you are using jelly babies to make kids read books, all of a sudden it's not about books anymore. It's about jelly babies and books. And as we've been improvement. If you try to do that, say to reward kids with jelly babies to read books, or to see who can to see who can read as many books as quickly as they can to win the prize, as soon as you take away the prize, you take away the reading. As soon as you take away the jelly babies, you take away the reading. And as soon as it's not a race, it's back to walking. And there are studies that have shown as soon as you introduce competitive practice into any educational sphere, you get short-term gains, but long-term problems. I'm not reading that book, There Are No Jelly Babies. You can't make me. In fact, I've decided I don't like you, and I don't like jelly babies. I hate jelly babies, so therefore I'm never reading again. This is the backlash that happens time and time and time again with about 50% of the population. Because 50% of the population who just love books will get put off if you start throwing jelly babies at them. They're going, why are you doing this? Is No, I just want to read. No, I just want to run. I- Running fast is just the best thing. I'm faster than other people, not everyone. But isn't that just so cool? something I can do? I'm good at it. And so as soon as you foster competition between schools, let alone children, you're on a hiding to nothing. This is known, this is but bad teachers, rubbish teachers will always go for it. Do you know why? Because it works today. It works today. It shuts them up. It gets schools focusing all their energies on beating the school next to them which ostensibly has an overlap with good education, but it's not good education. It's called teaching for the test. And if you teach for the test, you're not teaching for the subject. How much you get on a science test is not as important as how much you understand the science. As a good rocket scientist will tell you, I don't care what results you got on your science test, I want to know if you can actually fly a rocket to the moon, because if you can't, people are going to die. And that's bad. Do we agree that's bad? Oh, you don't think that's so bad? Okay, we're not going to be on our program. (laughs) Now, public school systems in Australia, this is back to passing now, I'm trying not to diverse much have seen an enormous increase in bureaucracy since the turn of the century. So-called school reforms beginning in the 90s promised less bureaucratic control, but instead of intensified bureaucracy at all levels of public education systems. Both coalition and labour governments have adopted germ- and expanded bureaucracies in public education. Bureaucratisation has increased throughout the system at central and regional offices for schools and for teachers. From 2002 to 2019, the increase in administrative staff at the system and school levels was far greater, Admin increase was far greater than actually for teachers and kids themselves. Now, this support is not an experienced teacher coming out to help a beginning teacher in a classroom. This support is an experienced teacher coming in and judging the younger teacher and encouraging them or telling them, showing the tricks to get better marks in their tests that they have to do, like NAPLAN. So the support, even when it's given, isn't given about teaching and learning. It's given about the administrative requirements of competition between schools. It's a complete and total waste of everyone's time, except for those who obsess over the numbers that I sometimes read out on the MySchool school website, which to my mind is just a waste of time. But that's what's happening alongside this whole disaster going on in the private school system. God knows how they're going to get out of it. I'd be very interested to see public schools, yes, private schools, let's make them public, and there's no problem, no problem at all. Um, I just want to say one more thing, though, and it's on a personal note before we leave the dodge program for another week. And it's a, um, it's a testament. It's a testament to a colleague who I have known uh, for 12 years, but many others have known for much, much longer. Jane, how long have you known Ralph? Oh,
1: 1987, I would say I first met Ralph. And I know that um, a lot of the records that he was playing were given him by um, people from the Dogs, Margaret Nielsen in particular gave him some lovely records that over the years he's played. Um, His Nostalgia Unlimited and Steam Radio have just been iconic uh, programs for 3CR. And for Melbourne. And for Melbourne too, yeah.
0: We're sad to announce, unfortunately, that um, Ralph Knight has passed away on the 31st of July 2020. He presented Nostalgia Unlimited, Swing and Sway, Steam Radio, as well as the Unitarian Half Hour, which I've been on a program of Melbourne Unitarian Peace Memorial Church up there in East Melbourne. He made an enormous contribution to 3CR over the years, both as presenter and radio technician. In 76, Ralph was among the volunteers who overhauled, modified and installed 3CR's first studios in Armidale, using ABC studio equipment and an antique 1936 transmitter. After six months earlier, 3CR moved to new studios and transmitter sites. Ralph playing a key role in the rapid design, design and construction of a novel valve transistor hybrid transmitter for the new site in Collingwood. Think about that, designing from the ground up the transmitter, not just buying one from JB 5 <laughs> Ralph was involved in the later upgrade of 3CR's transmitter site to accommodate the fledgling 3RPH. And again in 95, moving 3CR's backup transmitter from Collingwood to the present Werribee site. In 2017, uh, 3CR recognised Ralph's technical contribution and he received the Technorama Lifetime Contribution Award at 3CR. Ralph, of course, will be missed by me, by anyone who knew him, in fact, the entire community of 3CR, and many of his listeners and supporters, we offer our deepest sympathy for Ralph's family and Ralph's close friends. There are no actual details of his memorial service. One possibility being that because of the plague, that later in the year, when social restrictions ease, the 3CR family and those people who knew Ralph can put together a memorial service for him. And so please listen to us and anyone else who can tell you about when that might be after we've finished with all this silliness. Which I'm getting more and more annoyed at. So I just think we should keep our masks on and stay safe people for your other, for your loved ones as well as for yourself. If you're listening to 3CR at 855 on the AM dial, the podcast on the www.s um, and available on the 3CR website. That's 3cr.org.au and indeed a dogs. That's a D O G S. Um, dot info. But until next week, um, when um, hopefully we'll be missing Ralph a little less poor fella um, it's bye for now
4: I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night alive as you says I, but Joe here ten years dead I never died, says he I never died says he In Salt Lake City, Joe says I am standing by my bed They framed you on a murder charge says Joe